Are you ready for a negotiation masterclass? You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around. Tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service. Not a single negative complaint ever. UpperLevelHosting.com. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan, not as cute as Seth Meyers, not as smart as Colbert, but he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur, ready to give you more actionable, practical advice that you can use to grow your voiceover business. Can you do me one favor, though, before we get started? If you're listening and enjoying the podcast, would you share it on your Instagram stories and make sure that you tag me, at Mark Scott. I'd love to see it. I'd love to know that you're listening, that you're learning. I'd love to be able to share it as well. You can tag me, at Mark Scott. So if you look at the list of topics that voice actors fear, I would say that rates is probably at number one on the list. And I think that negotiation is probably at number two on the list. My hope is that by the time you're done listening to this episode and this particular interview, you're going to feel a lot more confident in your ability to negotiate. Few subjects are as confounding and intimidating to voice actors as rates. In today's voiceover landscape, though, it's a subject we all need to study and understand. A busy voice actor will be providing quotes and negotiating rates on a daily basis. And in reality, it can become as big of a part of your workday as auditioning. My guest today is going to help us in that department. She's won a couple of voice arts awards, has worked for clients like Google, Whole Foods, and Amazon Web Services. She also happens to be one of the most trusted teachers in our industry in the art of negotiation. Welcome to the show, Maria Pendolino. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. This is going to be a really hot episode. I know it already, and I'm glad that we're getting a chance to do it because it is something that I get asked about all the time. Next to what do I quote... After they've got that problem solved, the second problem is, oh, the client came back with this. Now what do I do? And so we need to talk about negotiating for sure. Yeah, it's just one of those things that it's there's no one cut or dry answer to any situation. And I think it's one of the reasons that topics and questions about rates and negotiation tend to come up again and again and again at conferences, on various Facebook groups, in, you know, people's accountability groups, there's just never, there's never a final answer because every project that comes your way could have, you know, a a million new permutations from the last one you quoted. So keeps it interesting out there, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it's a topic I, I love talking about and I love helping people with and I'm excited for today's episode. So let's go right to the very beginning, and we'll start with, I guess, defining negotiation. And I think that we often think of it as just meeting in the middle, right? We ask for yeah. 500, the client says 300, we land at 400, everybody wins, or so we think. But I guess from a voiceover standpoint, how do you define this? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think, you know, we've we've got the difference between the the art and the the actual conversation that is the negotiation versus what you've just said, which is kind of like the compromise. Um, I think I think people walk into negotiations and uh, as as a voice actor or a performer, um, you know, coming to the table in negotiation, there's an inherent power dynamic. And I think that really affects how people in our industry and other people who work in creative fields, whether that's a photographer or graphic designer, how they tend to approach negotiations with their mm-hmm. clients. And I think too often people like actors or other people in creative fields come to the table for a negotiation feeling that they do not have the power, that the power rests with the buyer or the client. And I think the first thing that you can do to really set yourself up and define negotiation for yourself and your business is to realize that there are two equivalent parties 
coming to the table to work on a project together. You are two businesses trying to do business together. You as a voice actor, or like I said, another creative field, you are providing some kind of service. You have the product, if you will, that someone in the marketplace wants to purchase. And they don't hold the upper hand just because they have the purse strings. I think it's better to think of it as this equal meeting of businesses who want to do business together. You want to provide your service. They want to purchase your service. So I think the the first thing is getting that mindset right in defining what negotiation means to you and your business. It's not something that's meant to be scary. It's not a situation where you have to cave. You don't have to do a dance or set up all of these false pretenses of like, oh, I'm going to start up here because I want to know and land here. I think watching like HGTV shows where people are buying properties and, you know, all sorts of things that are out there when it comes to things that don't have set prices. You know, you walk into a grocery store and like the can of beans is 99 cents. Like you don't negotiate with the cashier. Any of these other worlds that we live in that don't have set prices, I think it just comes with this ball of anxiety of like, I don't I don't know the rules of engagement. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know who talks first. I don't know who caves first or all of this stuff. And I think if you just simplify it, negotiation is two businesses who wish to do business with each other. And having that mindset, thinking of yourself like a business um, and believing that what your business does has value, I think is an immensely important part of setting that negotiation up to be successful. Uh, I think actors especially are conditioned from a very you know, young age or young part of their career to take any job that comes their way because mm-hmm. work begets work yeah. and the next job leads to the next job or whatever. So there's this fear that if you are somehow um, difficult, you know, by by asking for a different rate or a different term that makes you difficult, yes. if you're seen as somehow, um, you know, not agreeable, not amenable, or you don't just say yes automatically, like, yes, please, I'd like that job. There's this fear that it's going to be the end of your career. Yep. Like, if I don't accept this explainer video for $400, if I don't take this job, there will be no more jobs. And I think when people bring that kind of weight and baggage of that whole idea that without this one booking or this one project that's in front of you, if you don't seal that deal, that there will be no more deals to do. I think it just gives people like agita and, uh, you know, indigestion that they don't need. You don't need to put the weight of your career on, you know, each each moment you approach the table. But I think the biggest thing is that mindset thing, like recognizing it's two businesses that want to do business with each other. There are times where two businesses decide not to do business with each other, and that's okay. Either party can say, good for you, not for me. And, you know, it's, it's that setting of the table, I think, that helps to understand where where to go in the negotiation as opposed to, you know, just just accepting what's presented to you or arguing for no reason or whatever, but just remembering, you know, it takes two. It takes two parties to have a negotiation. I really like the idea of, of two equivalent parties because I guarantee you that is not how most voice actors view it. It's more like <laughs> what you just discussed, right? They hold all the power. Uh, you know, if, if I don't give in, I'm going to lose the job. They're not going to give me the money, right? And that is how we think about it. But we have to remember that they need us. Yes, That's absolutely. why they've come to us. They need us. And so we do bring something of value to the table. But, you know, part of what I was thinking of as you were talking is that psychology is such a big part of this. And and this is a real problem in our industry. And I coach voice actors with this all the time. I say my, my business and marketing coaching half the time feels more like a therapy session. Yes. Why are so many voice actors so afraid to ask for what they're worth? Is it... Is it money blocks? Is it, you know, because of how we were raised as children? Is it like I'm always fascinated by the subject because there's a lot to uncover there, but it's a big part of the problem. It's not so much that they're afraid of negotiation sometimes, I think, is it's just dealing with money and talking about money in general that makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a couple of things to unpack there. So I think, first of all, um, I can't speak for Canadians because I don't know much about money in your culture, but 
Um, talking about money is considered a faux pas in America, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, it's considered classless to be bringing right. up information about, you know, your salary or your bonuses or things like that. You know, two, two dads in the, you know, 50s, 60s or 70s would never be at the barbecue talking about how much they get at the factory compared to, right. you know, how much Charlie makes at the bank or something. Yes. And... I think then there's an extra layer for me as a woman, women especially are conditioned not to talk about money. And I think that comes from, you know, the socialization of women to be kind of, um, you know, just like accepting of like what's available to you and just, you know, just be thankful for you got anything at all, you know, Mm -hmm. which obviously we're still working on that as it, you know, pertains to the wage gap and things like that in our country. So I think there's that, right? So you may have been conditioned, you know, through, you know, your the way that you saw your parents or your guardians kind of mirroring their language around money, yep. whether or not they were comfortable with it, whether or not you grew up, you know, comfortable with money. Like, did you come from a family that had money? Did you come from a family that struggled? Did you come from a family that had debt? I think all of those things inform what type of business owner you become when it pertains to money. All of those little things get embedded into your personality, the way that you develop, the things that you're comfortable with. So from a psychology perspective, I think it starts it starts from birth. You know, did you have parents that, you know, taught you about balancing your checkbook when you were 15? Yeah. Or did you have parents that were, you know, one paycheck away from the mortgage not getting paid? You know, yep. and that's that's that informs, you know, the the way that your sensibility may or may not develop. And of course, you can learn and unlearn those things. Yes. But there's definitely an element of like, you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Colleges aren't giving people classes in personal finance. High schools don't do classes in personal finance. I know I know some, you know, nonprofit organizations and stuff are trying to move the needle on that, especially in, in public schools and underfunded communities. And it's doing a lot of great work, but like we're undoing like decades and decades of undereducation here. Yes. Um. So only when people seek out information, whether it's going to conferences, asking for help or whatever, are they actually uh, training that muscle. And I do think it is a muscle. You know, you get better and better each time you do it. You get more confident each time you do it. You have to refer to fewer resources each time you do it. You mm-hmm. write seven fewer drafts each time you do it. You <laughs> yes. know, it is a muscle. It's, yes. it's something that you have to train. Absolutely. Um, I think another aspect of it is the fear that comes from it is... A lot of people have come into voice acting trying to start a career from zero, right? Yep. I I did this before and now I wish to be a voice actor. I want to build a business. I want to build a career. And that's great. I think the challenge with that is, is that you put the weight of the universe on every opportunity that comes in your door. That's You've so spent all this time... You know, if they've downloaded your playbook, you've spent all this time cultivating these leads, you're following up, you're trying to share updates, you're doing all of the right things, right? And it takes a while. You cultivate these leads. You know, you're you're planting seeds that you're going to hopefully tend to and take care of over years and years and years. And it may take time for these things to come to fruition. So when you've spent all of these time sending out emails or LinkedIn connects or however you're choosing to do your marketing and outreach and the reply lands in your inbox, finally, someone has replied to one of your outreach opportunities and says, I have a project for you. What would your rate be for X? I feel like people are bringing everything in the kitchen sink into the office with them when they see that email land in their box. That's so true. And like, I understand the enthusiasm and the excitement of like having someone respond to your marketing or respond to an audition that you do on a online casting site or, um, you know, reach out to you because your SEO is great and they found your website or whatever it is. I understand that excitement and enthusiasm, but you cannot put the weight of your life, your finances, the bills you have to pay, all of that stress and drama around money in your life, you cannot bring that into the office with you or wherever you do your work. Because if you read that client's email about this one opportunity and you are trying to figure out how to negotiate this one opportunity, assuming that this opportunity is going to pay your mortgage next month or this opportunity is going to be the thing that helps you get out of debt or whatever, you cannot bring that into the conversation. That adds so much 
stress and drama to get to get the deal done you know it adds the extra layer of like wanting to ask for more work before the the initial work is even created you set yourself up for all of these potential pitfalls by looking at that one opportunity and believing like this is going to be the thing that makes me profitable or this is the thing that's going to help me hit this one goal and i think it's really important to have a situation where you can be financially stable while you are building your business, whether that is you, um, you know, continuing to work a a full-time or part-time job that you had prior to starting your work as a voice actor, whether that is choosing to do other, you know, freelance or contract things that are flexible, like, you know, driving for Uber or DoorDash or something so that you have other income coming in. But if you, if you are trying to grow a business from square one and you are trying to support yourself with that business from square one, that anxiety and that stress will seep into everything you do. So I would say to folks who are not quite at that full-time level where they're deriving all of their income from voice acting and are are supplementing, keep supplementing. (laughs) Don't give that up. Don't sell the farm too early because it will, you will be such a stronger negotiator and a stronger business person. And I think you'll come to your marketing and outreach with such a clearer mind if you don't feel the weight of all of your responsibilities on each and every opportunity that comes into your box. It's something that I talk about all the time that, you know, from a very young age, we are groomed to be employees, not employers. And it totally is a different mindset that you have to bring to the table when you are the boss and the buck stops with you. I'm, I'm thinking that we could literally do an entire episode just on the psychology that goes into all of this. And I I was thinking The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel was a fantastic book that I really enjoyed. And I think for anybody that has some of those money blocks, and here's how to know if you have money blocks. If you start to feel anxiety when you start talking about money, you probably have a money block. You have money blocks. So Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, I think is a great one. And another one that I really enjoyed was The uh, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. I'm just curious if you've got any books or or anything that you've read that kind of speak to that psychological component of it and helping people to overcome that money block side. You know, there is a book that I read not too long ago. I cannot remember the name of the author. I will send it to you so that you can put it into the show notes. Okay. There was one that I really liked. Um, But yeah, I I also read the badass one, and I thought that was a great way of thinking. I think that one especially talks a lot about that power dynamic aspect that that we were talking about. Like, and it really puts you in the center. Like, you are a badass. Yep. You are bringing something to the table that is worthy. Yep. And you know whether you need to uh, unpack that with a therapist or a, a partner or a spouse or a friend yep. or whatever. Yep. Your accountability group get to the point where you can feel like you could walk up to the table and say, "I am a badass, and I deserve this, and I'm worthy for yep. sure." If I had to pick the number one marketing trend for 2022, I would say that it is video. And more specifically, I would say that it is video in the form of Instagram Reels and TikTok. These are two incredibly powerful platforms that give you an incredible opportunity to reach a global audience. On any given day, any one of us has the potential to go viral on either Instagram or TikTok. If you're not using these platforms, or if you're using them but you don't feel like you're using them to their full potential, I've created a new resource that can help you get better on these platforms. It's a free download titled 20 Ideas for Instagram Reels and TikTok Videos. And I know that as you read through it, it is going to inspire you to new content that you can be creating for either or or both of these platforms. It's available for download at markscottcoaching.com forward slash 20 video ideas. And again, this is a completely free resource. You can get it at markscottcoaching.com forward slash 20 video ideas. And that's two zero markscottcoaching.com forward slash 20 video ideas. Now back to our show. Okay, so let's get into the negotiation stuff and, and let's start at the beginning. Now, in a perfect world, we would always know what the client's budget is up front, and that would give us a great starting point for negotiation. Alas, it is not always a perfect world. So where do we start when we're not sure where to start? For sure. So my number one recommendation that I always share when I've presented at conferences or I've done webinars and stuff is to ask that question first. Yes. Ask the client or the person that you're working with, is there a budget or a budget range you'd like me to keep in mind when quoting? 
And that simple question can set you up for success if there's an answer to it. And mm -hmm. sometimes there is. And people are always surprised that, like, you know, people will share the money with you. Yes, because we're, it's not like afternoon at the OK Corral. Like, most people are not trying to have, like, 17 emails back and forth to, like, get down to, like, the final like last seven dollars of the yep. negotiation yep. this is not the flea market like this is <laughs> this is not like haggling with the people outside of kensington market like this is just two businesses trying to like settle on moving forward yes and i can guarantee you your client would much prefer to get that done in one or two emails versus back and forth eight times Hallelujah. so always <laughs> ask is there a budget or a budget range in mind that you'd like me to keep in mind if the answer is no, I think it's important to know that the answer could be no for a couple of reasons. The answer could be no because they honestly do not have a budget, right? Yep. They they have not set a line in the sand. Maybe they don't hire talent as part of their day-to-day -day activities. This is kind of like a one-off type of thing. Yep. And they don't even know. They don't they they know that they're going to pay for this, but they don't even know. So I think it's important to recognize that sometimes the client doesn't have a budget. Another situation is they could be using grant money or might be a government contractor or subcontractor, which means that they are bound by certain policies or procedures around requesting quotes and proposals. Yep. So sometimes a client is required to get multiple competitive bids to show that they did their due diligence in sourcing appropriate suppliers, and they cannot reveal to you their budget because that would show favoritism in the bid process. Now, again, this is going way, way, way into the weeds for your client. They may not have the time to explain that to you, so they just say, no, we don't have a budget. And then sometimes a client is working with an overall production budget and voiceover may be one sixteenth of the overall production budget. Mm -hmm. So maybe they haven't set, you know, a specific line item for voiceover, but they have a generalized idea in their mind of what they'd like to pay for it. It's probably a range that goes from, you know, 350 on one side to 750 on the other side, as an example. Yep. And they know that they'd like to land somewhere in there. They've done these types of jobs before. They've worked with talent before. They've paid invoices in that range before. So they have that in their mind, but they're not going to tell you that range in their mind for whatever reason. Yep. And I think it's important to know that the clients could be coming from any one of those types of situations. Um, so when you get the answer back after you've asked them, do you have a budget or a budget range in mind? The next, like if we're, if we're thinking about it almost like a flow chart. Sure. My next question is when I'm looking at their email, do I have all of the information that I need to be able to put a number on paper? Yes. And that is, I think, where a lot of people get caught up and get lost. And it's challenging because people use different words for different things, right? So... The question is, is this piece of media that I'm doing for this other business, does it involve any paid placement? Yep. Is it going to be on television or radio as a commercial? Is it going to be on the Internet as a pre-roll commercial on sites like YouTube or Hulu? Is it going to be used in connected TV or OTT, over-the-top TV, your YouTube TVs, your Sling TVs, the ways that people are getting television delivered without having cable or antennas? Is it going to be a boosted or promoted post on social? Is someone going to be spending money to put that piece of media in front of people's eyeballs who are not choosing to watch it? Yep. If you do not have the answer to that question, then you don't have enough information to put a number on the table. Now, sometimes it's kind of easy to figure this out. If somebody's like, I'd like you to give me a quote for your, my phone system. Yep. Okay, great. Your phone system is not going to run on television. I can answer that question for myself. Yep. But if somebody says, we would like you to do a 45-second video voiceover, what would your rate be? You do not have enough information to start spewing numbers. And I think people get so caught up in the numbers that they forget to ask the qualifying questions. Yes. And this is where I think people leave money on the table. 100%. You don't want to give someone an explainer video rate when it's actually going to be a pre-roll commercial. Yep. You don't want to give someone an e-learning per word or per minute rate when it's actually being used as a corporate video and it's going to be shown at a conference. You need to know what the usage of the piece is so that you know that you're using the right rate scheme from either your own personal rate card that you've built or the various rate cards that are online to help you. So you find out that they don't have a budget in mind. 
ask the follow-up question so that you have all the information that you need, and then put a number together. Do the math. I like to set up for myself like what I call my pick up the mic fee. What is the lowest amount of money that I would be willing to accept to do this job? And that number for me is different in different categories. The amount of money that I would accept for a telephone system at the kind of my pick up the mic fee is much lower than my pick up the mic fee for a television commercial. Sure. And the reason for that is because television, radio, or other paid advertising has the ability to conflict my business or affect my ability to earn more money. So I have to be really protective of that. Yep. I have great agents on the coasts and I have the opportunity to read for really big campaigns. I want to make sure that I'm not doing, you know, a small regional bank for, you know, a smaller amount of money when I have the opportunity to read for a large national campaign that would consider that regional bank in that particular market a competitor. Sure. So my bottom line in different categories is different, but I have a kind of this is the lowest amount that I'd be willing to accept. This is the kind of highest amount that I think I've ever, you know, quoted or commanded for this particular job. And this is kind of the midpoint sure. of where I think I would I, I could land. And that information I have kind of developed over time through the number of quotes that I've done over the last, you know, 12 years in my business. Yep. I usually have the GVAA rate guide open in one tab. I have the gravy for the brain rate guide open in another tab. Yep. And then I have a Google Doc that I keep on hand. It's in my browser favorites that I call popular quotes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because you learn after a while that a lot of projects tend to fit into different, you yep. know, categories or subcategories. So instead of me, this is the work smarter, not harder part. Yep. Instead of me typing this all again, let me just copy and paste this from the last time I quoted something like this. Yep. So I use those resources and, you know, the rate guides, like the GVAA rate guide, were built from surveys of actors and agents and producers and stuff. So they were built from a similar methodology. Sure. Somebody was quoting well below the range. Somebody was quoting at the midpoint of the range. And someone was quoting at the top end of the range. That's how we got the averages, right? Yep. So I present to the client what I quoted last time. I'd say my rate for that would usually be X. I explain what my rate includes. I explain what my rate excludes if that's, you know, uh, something. So if it's, you know, a non-broadcast, non-paid advertising, I might specifically call out that it does not include usage or licensing of my voice in any paid media or paid placement. I explain very simply what my pickup and revision policy is and what is included or not included. Yep. And then I ask them if typically I, I have a couple of different wrap up phrases, but the one that I use the most is let me know if that lines up with your budget expectations Yes. and we can go from there yep. or let me know if this is in line with what you were thinking. Yep. I can be flexible within reason. Yep. That one I stole from Liz Dineshnera. Yep. Um, I heard her use that one at a conference once. That's and I a really good one. That. I can be flexible within reason. So it's like I'm flexible, but I'm not a pushover, right? Yeah. And when, when I when I quote you a thousand and you come back at me with, you know, 250, we're, we're probably right. not having a conversation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Or, you know, just like, you know, this is what I would normally quote for this work. Let me know if this is in line with what you were expecting. Or yep. I'm happy to have a discussion with you if you'd like to know more about how I arrived at my rate. So if somebody, I, I might use something a little wordier. If somebody is like, we've never hired a voice actor before. This yeah. is our first time. Yep. Be like, another. I'm going to give them a quote for like, you know, $2,500. And they're going to be like, uh, but it's just talking, right? Yep. So, you know, sometimes I, I put a little bit more flowery language in there if I want to like, let them know that, you know, I can explain more about how these numbers were created. And that's basically how I do it, you know, and I've, you know, I, I feel like I've gotten to the enviable position that I kind of know right off the top of my head of where I'd like to be numbers wise with a lot of different categories. You know, I, I can rattle off my e-learning rates and my explainer video rates and corporate narration, like that, that, that kind of stuff I kind of have memorized and feel really, really comfortable. Yep. I think the other piece of knowing how to create, you know, a quote for a client that, you know, comes from a place of confidence and a place of believing that it is two equivalent, you know, businesses wanting to do business together is I come to the table knowing that I will walk away from the table. Yes. And that strength to know that the word no is a complete sentence 
Walking forward with that power, I think, has been the thing that has made me the most comfortable and confident in working with new clients, providing quotes, you know, being solicited for new work. I know that I don't need that job. And it's not that I don't need that job financially. I mean that I don't need that job for my career. Yeah. I don't need that job to get to the next job. I don't need that client to get me my next client. I don't need this opportunity. I can move away from this opportunity and I know there will be another opportunity. And I've had some disappointments. People have asked me for quotes for things that I thought were really cool. I gave them a quote and they're like, you know, no, we found someone who will do it for this. And I say, great, good for you, not for me, right? And having that confidence that my career will not end if I don't get a job, my career will not end if I say no, my career will not end if I choose to end a negotiation with a client because there is no middle ground between us or they've asked for a bunch of really unfriendly terms to talent and say that their general counsel won't change them or whatever, I know that my career will not end if I close that door and chapter. And having that confidence and that knowledge makes all the difference in how comfortable I feel walking into a negotiation. That was actually one of the points that I had written in my notes for things that I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, that willingness to walk away because I do think that it is something that we often overlook. And I mean, the one thing that I always think about is if somebody comes back to me with something that I'm not cool with and I'm not willing to walk away, then on the other side of that decision is a willingness to lock myself into whatever misery I've just signed up for. Because if you really believe, and we've all been there, if you'll just do this project for X, I promise that on all the projects going forward, I'll do it for Y, right? We've, we've all had those offers. And it, it, funny enough, it just never seems to work out that way. Yeah, Once when somebody tells you, we just need to do this yeah. one for this little bit, and then we can get you more money and there'll be tons, tons more. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the second job. No, you because know? once you have set the bar, oh, you know what? They're actually willing to do it for this. Now you've set the bar and so you are stuck there. And so you absolutely have to have a willingness to walk away. And I think that is so important. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were, were talking through that was just... And this is another part of, I believe it's part of the responsibility of the voice actor. And when you see yourself as a business owner, you recognize this. Part of our job is educating clients. And I think sometimes we get frustrated, like, like we think everybody should know this. And so we don't want to walk through all of the steps with them. But sometimes that is part of the job is being able to educate them. And I think on the other side of it, and and again, this comes back to the psychology, which there's so much psychology involved in this. If I go back and I start asking all these questions, they're just going to go to somebody else who will give them a number. And the way that I've always positioned it is I need to ask a few qualifying questions so that I can make sure that I'm providing you with the most fair quote possible, right? And so I make it look like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this for you. This is a favor that I'm doing for you rather than just throwing a number out. And when I spin it that way, I don't get pushback, but you've got to have a willingness to ask those questions. So where will it be used? How long will it be used? How long is the recording? These are like the three main questions, I guess, that we're looking at in order to to start to put together a number. Yeah. And I have never had a client reply back to my email asking for clarification saying, no, thanks. I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Like we make this stuff up in our head. Obviously, like, don't write a seven-page email that's Mm -hmm. one giant block of paragraph text. Format your questions, get them as concise as possible, and save them in a Google Doc so you can reuse them over and over and over again. Yes. But yes, I say the same thing, Mark. I say, can I ask a few additional questions about how it's going to be used so I make sure I give you the right quote? Yep. I don't want to quote a TV ad for you if it's going to be used on a phone system. Yep. I don't want to quote a pre-roll ad if it's just a video that you're going to embed in your website. It's a help me help you situation. Yeah. And I have never, ever had a client say, why are you asking all of these invasive questions? No, they are more than happy to get that information. And sometimes the person that you are speaking with doesn't know the answer to those questions and they didn't even know that you might ask them. So then they're going to get the information from someone else. It's all part of doing business. Yes. If you are going to put up your shingle and say that you are a voice actor and you are running a voice acting business providing voiceover services, you have to be able to do the customer service side of things. And part of the customer service side of things is engaging with people who 
want to use your services. And sometimes there are preliminary conversations. Yep. Think about it if you were planning a big event or a wedding or something, right? When you reach out to the cake people to schedule the tasting, you're not just going to say, what flavors do you have? You're going to ask, do you provide delivery? You're going to ask, do you have gluten-free options for my Aunt Sally? Yep. You're going to ask all sorts of things. And the baker is going to answer those questions in pursuit of closing the deal with you and signing a contract for the cake for your wedding or your big event or whatever. It's the same thing. Think of yourself in that same way. Someone has approached you, has come to your storefront, your digital storefront, wants to do business with you. And in order for you to give them the quote or the package or whatever that they need, you have to ask a couple additional questions. It's funny. It's the same thing. It's funny because I think the mentality of so many voice actors, and I think particularly newer ones who are still learning all of this stuff, is, is if I go back and I ask too many questions that I'm going to seem like I don't know what I'm doing or that I'm going to annoy them or I'm going to upset them, when in reality... If you come back and ask some of these qualifying questions, I think that it just makes you look more professional and that you're on top of your business and you actually know what you're doing. And so, again, it comes back to, to psychology and, and changing some of those narratives, I think. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a perception versus a reality thing. Yeah. Yep. You know, if, if you are early in your career and you just haven't had the opportunity to work with that many clients direct, you do not need to be afraid of clients. Yeah. <laughs> they are people just like you. They are trying to do a job just like you. They have dreams and aspirations just like you. Yep. And you're just two people having a conversation. Yep. You know, keep it as clear and concise as possible. You know, inform them and let them know why you're asking this question. You're trying to do right by them. And I think the conversation will go well. Um, like I said, I've never had a client write back and say, you asked too many questions. I'm moving on to the next one on my list. Yeah. So I think when we think of negotiation, we often think of money, right? And, and it's that example that I gave at the beginning where you ask for five, the client says three, you, you settle at four. But there are more than one way or there is more than one way to win a negotiation. So from a, a viewpreneur standpoint, what else is negotiable? What other bargaining chips do we have that we can bring to the table to maybe sweeten a deal or, or close a deal when we're working on a negotiation? Sure, absolutely. So if you're doing things like, you know, corporate narration or e-learning or anything that's kind of long form for a client, you know, if you give them a quote and they come back and say, you know, that's a little bit outside of our budget, but we'd really like to use your voice. A couple of bargaining chips I've used is I'll say, I can give you raw audio instead of me doing the editing. And that way, you know, you could outsource the editing to someone else if you find that you can find editing services cheaper. Yep. You know, I'll give you raw, clean audio. I'll take out all my flubs and mistakes and when I stop to drink my water. But otherwise, you know, I'm going to give you just raw, ready to go. I'm not going to do any editing and polishing. I'm not going to do any debreathing. I'm not going to split any files. I'm just going to give you one long wave file. Yep. And when I do that, I can reduce my rate to X. Would yep. that get it done? Um, I've also reduced the amount of revisions that I offer, right? So I typically tell my clients that they can have up to two rounds of pickups, small pickups, um, if they wanted to change a sentence here or there, whatever, not, you know, re-recording full courses or anything like that. Yep. So maybe I'll reduce the number of pickup sessions I get. Um, maybe the client wants to listen in live. And he said, well, you know, in order for me to save time in my schedule, um, I really can't do it for that rate. But if you don't mind me just recording a few takes on my own with a round of pickups where I can kind of calendar it in where I have time and space, I'd be willing to do it for a little bit less. My time is money in that case, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and then I think terms, terms and times, right? So when we're dealing with paid advertising, paid placement, anything that is going to be running as an ad, you know, if you give a quote and they say, oh, you know, that's really above what we want. And he said, well, you know, for three months, I could do this instead of six months what you asked for. Or a lot of times people come to the table asking for two, three, four, five year, you know, commercial buyouts. And come on, folks, advertising yeah. does not last for two, three, four, five years. Somebody is telling them to just ask for that because it's easy and simple and then they don't have to follow up and renew stuff. Yep. But advertising doesn't last forever. So usually people will ask me for five years and I say, you know what, I really don't want to do commercial buyouts for five years because I don't want to have things sitting out there as, you know, a potential conflict if you're not really using it. Yep. So I'd really prefer to limit it to one year with the option to renew. Yep. So, you know, those types of negotiations, like saying, you know, this is the term you asked for, this is the term that I'm willing to do. Um, or, you know, if the term that you've asked for is too rich for your blood, then, you know, here would be the options to do it at a reduced term. I think also, 
in paid advertising, I've noticed a lot of companies doing um, what I would call B2B advertising, business to business. Mm -hmm. So they're going after far fewer impressions than the general consumer market. So, you know, somebody who's trying to sell HR technology to HR directors is trying to buy, you know, Facebook ads where people have said their job title is HR director in their profile. They're trying to buy LinkedIn ads. That's not the same as Taco Bell, right? So that's another qualifying question when a client comes back and says, oh, you know, it's a lot more than I was planning to spend. I might say, can you tell me a little bit more about your client? You know, if they haven't revealed it yet, you know, is, are they, you know, uh, do, are they in food or beverage? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And they're like, oh, it's HR software. And then I'm like, really could have used that information two emails ago. Um, I don't need to give you the Taco Bell quote. Here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, asking some qualifying questions about their client, because a lot of times the person that you're dealing with is the middle person, right? The person who works for a production company or a video company or an e-learning company who has a, an end client on their side. You're dealing with the, the the monkey in the middle, so to speak. So, you know, if you can help them look like a rock star to their client by getting yeah. the right information in their hands, then again, Again, you're getting it done faster and quicker and you're saving yourself 17 different replies. So that can be part of, you know, the negotiation saying, well, you know, this particular category, what you're asking for is not the you know, busiest category. The example I think I used at the last conference was somebody asked me for a quote for a suitcase commercial. I don't know that I've ever, ever seen or auditioned for a suitcase commercial. <laughs> yeah, that might so be I a first. F- I didn't feel like that was going to conflict my business. Yep. So yeah, could I go on the low end of GVAA for that one? Yeah, because I'm not auditioning for suitcase commercials every day. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about ladies in our you know, makeup commercials or feminine care commercials. Yeah, those I audition for every week. So I'm not going to sell the farm on that, you know? So there's, I think this is what also just gets people really, really hung up is there isn't a one size fits all. I can't, I can't just go to like rate o generator and be like, bing, bang, boom, here's my rate. Because there's so many if this, then that kind of permutations in your flowchart and being able to get comfortable navigating those questions and then figuring out then what the output is from the result of those questions. It takes time. It takes time. It takes effort. And it takes a while to get good and confident at it where you don't feel, you know, the sweat kind of running down your brow every yes. time you're typing an email. Something I have done in the past, too, when it, when I'm trying to, you know, seal the deal, we've been going back and forth and I don't want to really negotiate on my rate much further. Every once in a while, you get that client where you can tell there's a bit of a sense of urgency just in, in, you know, they're responding to emails instantly. And it seems like they kind of want to get this moving forward. And so I'll be like, look, if if we can agree to this price, I can get this audio for you in two hours. And yes, sometimes just saying that they're like, you know what, just do it because they don't want to go through this conversation with another voice actor or three other voice actors and, and still end up in the same spot. And so. Sometimes I really like, and that kind of just cuts the, that kind of ends the conversation too, right? Because I don't want to go back and forth forever either if they're, they're not going to do the deal. And so it's like, look, if we can agree to this, I can get it done by X. And they're like, yes, please. Okay. Go ahead or whatever. Have you ever tried that before? You know, I've definitely let people know that like my ability to turn things around instantaneously is because I'm a full-time talent, right? So I've I've put that in my emails a a few times. Like, hey, you know, I'm a full-time talent. I'm available all the time. I, you know, will get this to you really quickly and I'm available if you need anything after the fact. Like, I'm not going to, like, disappear to the Dominican Republic on vacation uh, (laughs) without telling you when you need pickups while you're still very much in the edit and approval process with your client. So, you know, I think that also can be a bargaining chip. Like, yes, I can... If we could just stop emailing back and forth, like I can get this done for you in two hours. Yep. You know, e- email time is unpaid time, right? Yep. I had a client once who asked me, like, you know, if I could join their meetings and stuff for a project. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> I am not a full time part of your team. Keep me out um, of your Slack channel. please. Just, yes, just please. Just let me know when it's ready for me and I will do what yep. I do. The rest of it is unpaid time, you know. But yeah, that that ability to provide that that fast service that quality service, the ability to be available for any ongoing needs with the project, and the fact that, you know, you're there and you are running a business. This is not like a fly-by-night operation. You know, you're not just, you know, picking this up every once in a while and then going back to your real life or whatever. I think people appreciate that. And that can potentially be the thing that gets it done. When you say, look, I, I'm ready to do this. I can get it done for you quickly. I will be available for the pickups if you need them. And I want to help you get to the finish line. Yeah. So I've just finished doing a series on online casting. 
and interviewing CEOs of all of the the different online casting sites. So this question isn't specifically negotiation, but I, I think it fits within the scope. And I really want to hear your take on it. Sure. On online casting, we often see rate ranges. Yep. What, if any, strategy do you have or do you suggest when you're quoting in rate ranges? Is it go low and compete on prices? Is it go high and try to appear like you're a premium brand? Is it, you know, do the Goldilocks in the middle and it's just right? What, do you have a strategy when you're when you're quoting like that? I don't pay attention to their range. Okay, nice. <laughs> now that is, I will, I will completely admit that that is a very privileged response. Right. Right. Um, I, I am extremely choosy at this stage in my career of what I go for on online casting, and I've not, I've not been shy about sharing that at this stage. I'm really only using Voice One Two Three and Badalgo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in the online casting platforms that allow me to have direct communication with the client and to consider that person my client. The various platforms that try to mask the client contact info and want you to work through their intermediaries, while I'm sure they provide a lot of value to a lot of people, that's not how I want to run my business. Right. Um, so I don't choose to work on those platforms. My personal choice, my privilege to not have to be on every platform. Yep. I do not pay attention to their range that much, truly, because I feel really confident in what I want to command for different projects. Now, I may be a little bit more aggressive on that if I have been invited specifically to a project. Okay. So on Voice123 as an example, the client, after they post it for general auditions, they do have the opportunity to directly invite voice actors to their project. Because of my rating and my membership, I've been a member of Voice123 since 2011, so I have a, a good track record, you know, as it pertains to the algorithm and search on that site. I get directly invited to a lot of projects. So when that happens, I know that they have already heard something from my profile on my demos that they liked. And I feel like when I'm invited directly to a job, I have a higher than average chance of booking that job because I've already been kind of pre-qualified and invited to participate. So in those cases, I will be probably the most aggressive in my pricing. Yep. And I will say, you already heard what I do, you saw from looking at my profile that I've got five-star reviews and I'm top 10% or whatever it is. So you know that I'm bringing something to the table. You may not know what that is, but you you recognize that there's something. Yep. So I'm going to show you that with that something comes, you know, potentially a request for more money. If I am going wildly outside their range, I will explain why. So there have been times that I've been invited to e-learning projects where they're like, oh, it's 10,000 words and our budget is $1,000. And I'll be like, hello. (laughs) Thanks Uh, for playing. Let's try again. I would love to work on this with you. I'm particularly passionate about animal welfare or whatever the topic of the course is. And I'll say, here's how I calculated my rate. I normally charge 30 cents a word. That includes this, this, that, and the other thing. So my rate is this. If there's an opportunity for us to negotiate, let me know. I'll try to keep it really simple in those cover notes. I don't want to, yep. you know, go too overwhelming because they see them all kind of side by side on the back end. Yep. But I'll just quote what I want to quote. I'm not going to just try and say like, well, $1,000, I guess I could ask for 1200 No, I'm going to ask for what I want to ask for and I'll explain it. And then this is the pl- point, again, with the, the privilege of I have of where I am in my career and where I am financially, they can either take it <laughs> Or negotiate with me or leave it. And I am fine with either of those three scenarios. When it is something that is, you know, a little bit more simple or straightforward, you know, maybe it's it's a corporate video or an explainer video, something without any paid placement, and they say that their range is, you know, $350 to $499 or something, I will quote the rate that I want to be paid for that job. You know, if it's the top end of the range, it's the top end of the range. If it's the midpoint, it's the midpoint. I personally do not partake in any strategies for undercutting the budget or riding the low end of the budget in pursuit of the opportunity. And the reason I do that is twofold. Number one, I don't have time to do every project that I'm invited to audition for. And again, that's a high class problem and a place of privilege. And I I, I totally recognize that. The other reason is that on Voice123 specifically, they've shared data with us through meetings and blogs and stuff that the clients don't choose the people who bid the lowest. Yep. The clients choose the people who are right for the job. Yes. So when I'm being super choosy and I know that I'm only auditioning for the jobs that I'm really right for because I don't have time to audition for everything, then I'm auditioning with confidence that 
the number, my budget number is not the thing that's going to get me the job. The thing that's going to get me the job is my performance because I am a great actor and I'm a great auditioner. So I am not dwelling on the money or the number. I'm focusing on giving a great performance. And I think if everybody spent more time being great actors and delivering great auditions instead of worrying about exactly where to put the needle on the budget, I think people would book more. What really stands out to me is I've been listening to you talk for, you know, we've been going almost an hour here. What really stands out to me is just the level of confidence that you bring to the table with what you do and what you have to offer. And by bringing that level of confidence to the table, negotiation is really just, it's not a big deal because you know what you bring. And that's great. For somebody who has some experience under their belt, right? Hopefully we all get to that point where we've booked enough jobs and and we know what we're worth and we're willing to walk away and, you know, all the things we've talked about. But I'm curious for the voice actor who's newer, who's getting started, who maybe doesn't have all the gigs under their belt, what advice can you give them to develop that confidence that you have so that they can internalize that? And really not fear negotiation, but just recognize that this is just me quoting my value. How, how do we get to that point when we don't have a thousand jobs under our belt? I think it takes I think it takes just good old fashioned practice. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, every time that you have the opportunity to audition on an online casting platform and provide a quote or like I said, you know, somebody's walked into your website because your SEO is great or you've you know reached out to folks on LinkedIn, every time you have the opportunity to quote for a project that's on the table, an opportunity that is you know ready to record, every time you do it, you will get better and better and better. And I think the more that you do it, the more that you practice, you can set yourself up for success. Yeah. I would say, practice quoting. Give yeah. yourself scenarios. Or you know, if you're in an accountability group or a workout group, maybe spend 15 minutes after you're done doing, you know, script reading and directing, spend 15 minutes doing negotiation practice. Like Have that. each person bring a project, a, a, a phony project with specific terms and ask each person to provide a quote and explain why and get better and better at it. It can be, you know, a learning opportunity. It can be community growth and everything like that. But, you know, we, we are not born knowing how to negotiate. We are not mm-hmm. born with, you know, 14 different genre demos and, you know, a perfectly designed website with 47 text-rich pages that show up in Google searches. All of this takes time. Yep. It takes time and effort and energy. And, you know, a lot of people have been discussing the the person on Fiverr, millennial who quit who quit their job yes. and joined Fiverr and made $100,000. Yes. And, you know, people were sharing that and discussing that. Yeah, that's great for that person. I'm 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 super happy for them that they have found something that works for them. Nobody wants to write about the quote unquote overnight success that took 12 years to build. Exactly. Right? Yes. You know, I've been building my business as a voice actor since 2010. And from that, <laughs> I started acting as an actor in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, from 1989 to 2010, I became the best actor I could be. And I come to the table with that toolbox and that technique and all of the work that I did and all of those different productions and rehearsals and mm-hmm. whatever. And it brought me to where I am today. And then in 2010, I said, you know, I think I'd like to try voiceover and voice yeah. acting. And it took time. And that that confidence that I bring to these conversations and discussions, the fact that my business is thriving and I have the confidence to walk into a negotiation knowing that I don't need that job. All of that took time and energy to cultivate. So to the to the newer voice actor, the newer business owner listening today, I would say keep practicing this part of the craft as well, yeah. right? The, the same amount of time that you give to your your workouts and becoming a better actor, becoming the best performer you can be. Also, think about ways to become the best business person that you can be, whether that's reading books and feeling more empowered and confident, learning more about your psychology, yeah. surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and support you and cheer you on and lift you up instead of dragging you down. And then practice, practice, and then learn from the different conversations that you have from clients. Learn from the successful negotiations, learn from the unsuccessful negotiations, start yourself a Google Doc and copy and paste different parts of conversations or back and forths or rebuttals so that you don't have to do it over and over again from scratch. 
work smarter, not harder. Don't reinvent the wheel every time. Go back to the work you've done and build on that, right? That's kind of the (laughs) rolling the snowball down the hill. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes. You don't have to start from square one with each conversation. That's the best advice I would say. I think that people need to understand too, like, you know, it's great to talk about confidence, but I want people to understand how big of a a needle mover that is, not just in your ability to negotiate, but when you have that kind of confidence, it makes you more willing to go after the clients that you really want when you're marketing. It makes you better when you get into the booth and you see that audition and you're not constantly questioning or doubting yourself. And, And so getting in reps and all of these different aspects of your business is such a big piece of the pie. So I know... You mentioned GVAA, you mentioned Gravy for the Brain. Obviously, those are the two probably most referenced and most trusted rate guides that we can have for uh, a referral tool to go to and and try to come up with some numbers. Are there books, podcasts, classes, anything that you recommend? Like, look, if you want to be a negotiator or you want to be a more confident negotiator, if you read this book or if you listen to this interview or take this class that I've done or something – Anything like that that you can give us that we can use as a as a resource to ramp up those skills? I don't know about any um, specific books, but um, there is one Instagram account and podcast that I like that's called Artistic Finance. Okay. Um, and they have featured a lot of different people from different performing and performing adjacent um, careers and how they manage their businesses and their money. So I've enjoyed that very much. I present on specifically negotiation for voice acting occasionally at conferences. I've not been super active on the circuit because of COVID, yep. but I am scheduled to appear at Vocation Cancun. Yeah, that, that must have been February. a tough sell, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Karin's like, do you want to leave your cave for the first time in three years and go to Mexico? I was like, you bet I do. So uh, if I'm feeling comfortable with boosters and the numbers and all of that kind of stuff, I will be appearing at Vocation Cancun. And we'll be talking about um, negotiation and quoting and things like that. I don't know of any other specific resources, but I would say if you are a member of any of the various Facebook groups like Viopreneur, VoiceOver Pros, Voice Actors of New York City, just to name a few of the some of the most active ones, and you search my name, <laughs> you will find many a comment because yep. as a bossy Italian, one of my favorite love languages is telling people what to do. <laughs> um, so I have very often chimed in on people's questions about quotes or negotiation or whatever. So there is a treasure trove of free online advice that I have verbally vomited into Facebook over the years. So um, feel free to grab onto that. Um, And then I do offer very, very limited one-on-one negotiation coaching. So um, you can grab that at calendly.com slash voice by Maria. I offer 30-minute sessions for $55 if you want to talk specifically about a project and I will give you just kind of overall advice in the strategy of the negotiation, what the particular ranges could look like for that opportunity, and then if there's any specific pitfalls that I would, you know, advise you to look out for. I always state at the top that I am not a lawyer, so while I'm happy to help you, you know, fight back on problematic verbiage, if you need a lawyer, get a lawyer. Yep. Um, And, you know, in the spirit of fair competition, like, I can't tell you what to charge, right? So ultimately, that's your decision, but I can certainly give you ideas of where to look, questions to ask, and then, you know, the, the types of ranges that exist out there on the published rate guides and material and things like that. Another helpful thing I would just say is the SAG-AFTRA had a beta calculator for union rates. I don't know if it's still active, but you were able to kind of put in the different types of possible uh, union work, and then it would kind of give you what the union rate would be for that. And then Gravy for the Brain has some of the SAG-AFTRA minimums on their rate guide, too, for certain things, which I think is helpful at knowing, you know, as you're building your career, like what, what rates you can aspire to. Right on. Okay. So I will uh, I will put that Calendly link into the show notes if you're okay with that. I think that that's a really great tool for somebody. I mean, look, if you're trying to figure out how to quote a two-minute explainer video, ask it in a Facebook group. But if you get something that comes in that is a little bit more involved or has a little bit more usage than what you've seen before or something like that, I mean, to me, that's a that's a good opportunity to to make the investment and make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. Yeah, most of the time people are reaching out to me when they've, you know, cultivated a a lead and it's going to be either, you know, a pretty significant body of work or a lot of ongoing work and they want to make sure that they're setting up, 
you know, the rate for success from the outset. But yeah, definitely, you know, there's there's a lot of resources out there for for simple things. But when it gets more complicated or you're really not sure what questions to ask, um, I'm happy to make myself available when I can for things like that. And uh, I mean, otherwise, just, you know, everybody book a trip to Mexico for vocation Cancun and uh, and sit on on the session again. Uh, probably not a hard sell for a lot of people. Well, Maria, this has been fantastic. And I, I really am grateful to you for taking the time to, to shine a light on this because you know, I think it's interesting where I thought the where I wanted to take the interview and where the interview ended up going. And I'm really glad that we went where we went because psychology does become such a big part of this. And your level of confidence does become such a big part of this. And I can sense your level of confidence as you're talking and you're you're giving your answers. And I think that that is an inspiration to people who are listening. Just that one thing, like if you took nothing else away just the level of confidence when you approach these conversations, that can be the difference maker. So thank you so much for bringing that to the to the table and for sharing for your, from your uh, wisdom and knowledge on this subject. I am, I'm truly grateful. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. If you walk away with nothing else from this episode other than a newfound confidence in the value that you bring to every single voiceover project, then I feel like my work here will be done. I'm so grateful to Maria and for all of the incredible tips that she shared. And I know it's going to help you in your business going forward. If you enjoyed this episode, would you let us know that you enjoyed this episode by leaving a five-star review wherever you are enjoying this podcast, which, by the way, you can listen on all of your favorite podcast services. And of course, you can find any episode and search our entire archive at vopreneur.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I will catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. You need a mobile-friendly demo player on your website that works across any device and platform. VoiceSam has you covered. The player is easy to install, can be skinned to match your site design, and makes your demos instantly downloadable. It even offers options for video and analytics. Sign up for VoiceSam now at voicesam.com slash markscott and you'll receive a free $25 credit to your account. View the full offer details and sign up at voicesam.com slash markscott. And see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.